heaven? No. It's Iowa. Hey, yo, Ben. What? Why are you yelling? Jesus. Am I the meanest? Am I the prettiest? Am I the baddest podcast in mofo low down around this town? Oh, um, meanest? Maybe. Prettiest? No. Sorry. Uh, you know what, though? You actually might be the baddest podcast in mofo low down around this town. Who's the master? The stain lane is. I can't hear you. You heard me. Anyway, could you teach me some moves on the art of making love? Nope, because this is the pot of dreams. And that's the only master, the Shogun of Podcasting, and up next is The Last Dragon. A martial arts champion in search of the glow. Master, I need more time. I am no longer your master. A rock and roll star on the rise. I know what it's like to lose precious things. A madman. Shogun of a maniac. You're gonna put my video on your show, aren't you? The answer is no. And the glamour, the power, and the sound of Motown. I don't want you to kill anybody. Are you out of your mind? The Leroy Green I'm looking for. The little pop thinks he's a kung fu master. I am no master. You sure look like a master to me. This is Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining the Pot of Dreams. Uh, this episode is The Last Dragon. It's a special one. Uh, our first guest, I want to introduce my brother, Peter. Pete, thanks for joining the pod. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, so pick the, you picked this movie, right? We asked you to join the podcast. This is your choice. Why did you pick The Last Dragon? Um, well, cause number one, it's the best movie ever made. Um, but also it's, it, it be, you know, with growing up, it was a movie you and I watched probably more me, but, but we watched many, many, many times, um, as kids. So it's just kind of one of those movies that's always kind of stuck with me and I don't know, it's just, it's, it's really good stuff. So. Yeah. Like my movie tastes like would be so simple if it wasn't for you, honestly. Like you introduced me to so many things. Like I would just watch The Predator Aww. and Gladiator over and over again if it weren't for you. This is um, sweet, you guys. This is one of the dumber down. Ben, had you ever seen this movie before? No, I didn't. hadn't seen it. I'd maybe vaguely heard the name before when other friends had talked about movies they remembered fondly, but I knew nothing about it, and I didn't want to know. I just went in totally cold for the first time. Uh, and I would say my overwhelming emotion was confusion. <laughs> I had a lot of questions this time. So, yeah. So, like, Pete, like you said, we, we watched this movie. I've probably seen this movie 20 times. But oh I was, my. like, under 10 the last yeah. time I saw this movie. Yeah. And yeah, there was a big gap between probably mid, you know, mid-high school, 15-ish, and then till probably well into my 30s that I, I probably watched it again. But we watched it ton as kids yeah yeah it was like a re we recorded it off of tv on a vhs and just yep. watched it over and over again so like yeah. people don't, so this movie was released in 1985 so it's an 80s movie the last dragon it's actually isn't it 
the title Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon? It, it is. That was part, where, where my confusion started. I was like, Barry Gordy, the Motown guy? What? Yeah. yeah. He made a movie? So I, I just got to So, Ben, when, when Peter said he wanted to do The Last... Like, did you... Like, like Google, what the hell is that? No, I, I, it's exciting for me to watch a movie that I know nothing about. It, it, it happens, but I, I'm a pretty big movie geek, and so I've seen a lot and heard of a lot more. So I wanted to genuinely be surprised, and that was one of the fun parts. Is I got I didn't really know exactly where the movie was going to go or why it was making the choices it made, and that was <laughs> part of the fun. So I, I didn't didn't know anything about it. I was confused from the get go. From when we first start seeing whatever the guy's name, Ty Mock or whatever the actor's name is. Yeah. And these loving shots of him working out. I'm like, is this satire? Are we making fun of Kung Fu movies? Is this unironic? Are we just enjoying his beefy muscles? What's that? I didn't, didn't have any clue. Didn't know anything about Barry Gordy. But I didn't realize he had made a movie in the mid eighties, I, I guess to showcase music videos. Cause those that we get music videos in the middle of this movie inexplicably like, I was like, man, what is going on here? Why was this made? And it not in a, not in a bad way, but I was genuinely trying to figure out the answer to that question. Peter, when when you you know when we asked you to be on this as a guest, did you train? Like, did you have someone shoot arrows at you while you were preparing to podcast? Is that how you got ready for this? Yeah, that's that's my weekend activity. Is I just have some random guy in the neighborhood shoot arrows at me, just hide from the bushes and blast you with an arrow. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a pretty normal thing to do. While you can only break one. You can only break the blue one. The other ones you have to what, just swat away, and then you have to, you have to catch one. No, I gra- he grabbed the blue one, right? Blue Is- one, he breaks the other one, then he has to grab it. can't how break did, blue one. How did he know it was the blue one? He knew without knowing. The glow. Without the glow. Um, yeah, but it's so – so when we – when Eric and I were kids, the, so the whole kind of backstory is, is – so we had it on VHS, and it was – the tape we would we would watch the tape over and over again. But the the, the funny thing was is the Never Ending Story. That was the first movie on the tape. Oh, that's right. Oh, and so we, what we would do is like on a Saturday morning or whatever, probably me would put the tape in, and we you know we watch Never Ending Story, and then I can still picture like the you know when the movie ends and he rides off in the dragon and like the narrator comes on and then the credits start rolling because it was on a VHS. Then it would get all staticky. And then it would hop immediately. So the TriStar with the with the the flying yep. Pegasus thing, yeah. Oh, I sure. love that intro, yeah. by the way. I've yep. not seen that in a long time. Just seeing I know, that, that brings you back. Did bring me back to a different time. Um, but yeah, and then yeah, and then Bruce Lee right, doing his his gyrations and whatnot. Um, but but I think at some point I would just fast forward <laughs> the never ending story to watch the Last Dragon. I don't know. I just have some memory of doing that. Not because I didn't like the last or never any story, but because I want to watch last dragon. So, so. so Ben, you said you were confused. I have a lot of questions too. Like, well, it's, it's not just plot mechanics though, Eric. It is like the tone is all over the place. Yeah. I, I, I could not, I could not anchor myself down because there's times where it was so absurd and goofy that it seemed like parody. And there's times it's so serious. There's a scene where the woman who's, uh, she's like a Cindy Lauper knockoff. I don't know what her name is, but that, that actress turns out is like a Tony Ward winning actress. And she's upset with Johnny Arcadia, which is an absurd name. And she's wearing these stupid headlights. And, Eddie, uh, Eddie Arcadia. Eddie, Come on. Oh, sorry. Eddie, Eddie. Oh, so right. sorry. And uh, <laughs> she has a license plate on her ass that says hot for you. And she's giving this serious speech about the horrible things he's doing. And like, she's really, really trying. And then I, 
Oh, it's like, but I can't take that seriously in the context of everything else that's happening. And then at some point it's like, hey, this is just kind of sleek. I you know it's just kind of all over, all over the shop. So I was never kind of on solid footing. And then I couldn't tell there's a lot of weird racial stuff going on that was where it's most confusing. So we get a main character who's and I don't know how to talk about this without evoking stereotypes to to talk about it, but you get a main character who's got a kung fu phase and is super into kung fu movies. So he gets made fun of by his little brother who's also black and gets called chopsticks and all these other derogatory Asian terms. And we get Asian well, characters that are he, he like kind acting of black. Talks with the I think I think Chinese, right? Because Bruce Lee's Chinese, right? So he talks, he's obsessed with Bruce Lee and Kung right. Fu. And so he talks with this sort of Chinese affect, which is like odd and weird. And he, you know, dresses like he's Chinese. Uh, but, you know, he's a black guy that lives in Harlem. It, it's just, the question, those are questions I had. Is like, what is Leroy's like backstory? What's his childhood like? Did he just, he grew, his dad a, owns a pizza shop. And yeah, how old is Leroy? Right. That's, I mean, is he 20? Is he 16? Who, like, is his little brother like 12? What, like, what's the deal here? What's the family dynamic here? Because they never go to school. But like, so he just all of a sudden became interested in Kung Fu, like, which makes sense. Or he got, you know, tied in with the with the dojo there. And, um, you know, the master kind of took him under his wing. But yeah, you're right. There is. It's. Just, I was just so confused by Leroy and like, like his like what his deals, but like, you know, there's some sweetness to it too. Like he's legitimately just trying to figure out how to get to this higher level of martial arts. So what's I, his yeah. life goal, just to this Buddhist pursuit of a higher level and that's it out of getting out of the cycle of samsara. I, I don't but that's get Bruce Lee he, though. Right. Pete, isn't that, that's Bruce Lee, all Bruce yeah. Lee's movies are he's searching for this higher well, power. Not, Enter the Dragon isn't that way. There's an actual plot to Enter the Dragon, which we see early on. Like, he's busting up a drug ring. Uh, anyway, uh, go yeah, ahead, it, I'm sorry, I talked over you. It's more like just, that's kind of the philosophy of martial arts, is like, it's to search within, you know, look for, for the power within, you know, try to be better, be a better person, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that was always my kind of take with the movie, too, is like, it, you know, it's kind of out of, so what happens in the movie like whether he's in school or he's in high school or, or whatever, like a lot of, I don't know. I kind of look at that's not really important in a sense, because what's you're let's just have to look at what's in the context of the movie. And so his, it, the movie is about his, his hero's journey, his path. So. And, and that's a, a yeah. lovely, serious like effort, but then he's told to seek out a, an Asian person named some dumb guy. Um, some d- yeah, or some of Goy. But Pete, or Pete, you mentioned like, doesn't the master in the beginning tell him something about uh, yeah. you know, what his what his search is to the next level, and it actually ends up being that, right? Yeah. So, so for for how many times I've seen this movie, it wasn't until when I watched it last night that I picked this up. So, yeah. So his master makes says in the very beginning after he catches the blue arrow that you have, I, and I probably saying it wrong, but like he says, you will have to overcome three things, and it's vengeance, fear, and love. And those are all three things he accomplished, he, he wins or, or accomplishes, I guess, or beats throughout the movie. So like vengeance to, you know, fight back Shogun, fear, he overcomes the fear of Shogun and then he finds love. So, but my, my, so my question too, like, was the master just fucking with him? The like, like you said, Ben, he sends him to this, like, you know, uh, fortune cookie place 
like on this wild like none of that he was it just to like mess with him or, or was he really trying to tell him like you need to just go live dude like <laughs> this is you're obsessing over something that's not there like you're never gonna be like a great martial artist until you realize like you gotta just live your life that's what i was confused I, about i think i think what it was is the master no longer could teach him anything he's he he caught the blue arrow and like that was the sign that like okay i have there, there's nothing more i can teach you and so he comes up with this load of bullshit to basically say you know you have to follow your own path and and accomplish you know i mean it's kind of how life is you gotta you know then you gotta cop you know win over fear and find love and all that stuff i don't know it is just the last drag i'm probably looking way too much into it no that's fine i appreciate the stuff that hearing what you take away from it that's interesting but i mean i there there's that serious element to it that that's interesting but then it's mixed with all this goofiness which makes that path hard for me to like land on there's just too much weirdness. Like when he has to pretend to be black to a bunch of Asian people who are also pretending to be black and using Asian s- slang to mess with him. It's like, where are hey we man, at? what it look like? Like, <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. I'm like, what is going on? And you can't, uh, and then, you can't ignore that most of the movie is just an uh, advertisement for Motown Records. Correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I... It, it, yeah, it's it's bizarre, and I don't know. But then we have Eddie. Is it Eddie? I don't want to keep throwing it. Eddie Arcadia. He's the villain, Arcadia. but I, Arcadia. I can't take him. He just wants to break into the music video business, and he has to. He has to get a video on this weekly video show. This Seven, total, yeah. yeah, but it's like Laura Charles, man. Come on, Laura Charles. <laughs> and and I don't know how like and I know how old she is. I because like what. Her relationship with Bruce Leroy, I mean, again, how much older is she than him? It's it's consensual, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, okay, um, I just got to jump. We are completely burying the lead because this movie features, I think, the greatest villain in cinema history, and that's Shonoff. Like, this dude, when he comes on the scene in that movie theater, like, I wanted to stand up and cheer. Like, this guy is incredible. It makes no sense what he's doing. Like again, no. what, what is this? Ba- what? Who is this guy? Like, what he is this? He just comes deal? to movie theaters and annoys people by well, shouting. He talk when he walks into the movie theater. He talks like the Shogun of Harlem's back. Like, where was he? Yeah, I had the what, same question. What, like, where'd you go? Where, where did I've you never come met from? you. Like, but he just walks into this movie theater and is just like, I'm, any, come fight me, anybody, uh, come down. <laughs> and he just starts beating everybody up. It's so he, incredible. <laughs> The Shogun of Harlem. Like, and even before then, before you get there, they're watching Enter the Dragon, and somebody gets out a boombox, by the way. Some asshole gets out a boombox while a movie's playing and starts to dance in the aisles. And then somebody correctly comes up and just stomps on. This is before uh, Show Enough gets there. What is happening? What is this? Well, in, is that Harlem in the, the 80s? You know, is yeah. it, you know? I, I have no idea. I've no, break I, dancing? Well, like, and... And I have all so I think the whole purpose of that is to establish that that guy was like some badass, right? And then Shogun shows up, and what happens? Shogun kick, beats him with one kick to show how powerful Shogun is. That's my whole theory. I'm, but I'm so, the, but the, so Shogun, he's looking for Bruce Leroy. He's looking for Leroy Green, right? That's his like he's walking around Harlem, like where's this Leroy guy? And yep. he, he finds him at the movie theater, and he gets up in his face, and the catches bullets with his teeth. Right, he goes on this whole thing. How does he know Leroy Green can catch bullets with his teeth? 
Is there like a rumor going around the neighborhood that this kung fu master? Well, he has a he has a dojo, which was interesting to me. He's, I guess, both a student and a master, and that he's teaching. I don't know. He just has that space, right? It's his karate studio where he's teaching people, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Johnny so is own? like his student. Yeah. Yeah. Does he own the place? Does he pay a lease? Super good question. It's not answered in the movie. Like, so he's between either he's either training or training other people. Well, I imagine like, that's the master's he... dojo, right? Because the master, I mean, he's, he's training at the master's like house, I assume, because that's where he's packing up all his oh. stuff. But the houseboat. dojo. Oh, it's a boat. It's a houseboat. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Even I, I catch thought they were different places. I thought they were. I could no, they, are. they are. Oh. The dojo and the and where he's shooting the arrows is the master's. You're saying it's his boat. I think it's his houseboat because when that when so when that beginning scene ends and the, the the song like we are dragon that song kicks in there's a there's a pan shot of overhead and you see Leroy get out of a that's a houseboat and like on I think the Hudson or something like that but that's yeah and that's why he's going to Miami because he's taking his houseboat he's undocking it and he's just gonna and, I think so down to Miami oh that makes some sense okay okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, and I understand that the these are these are questions. A lot of this is, if I had seen this as a kid, none of this would have mattered to me. I, I want to make that clear. If I had seen this in 1989 or in 1990, I wouldn't have cared, oh. and this would have just been cool. But these are questions that plague my adult brain the whole time I'm watching this. Well, and, and there's a ton of things like that in this movie. For example, the whole how Bruce Lee or even gets involved with Laura Charles at all is just why, because he just happens to be walking past Seventh Heaven. And he doesn't middle. remember where it is. He has to ask his brother where he was walking. Oh, just happens to be walking by, like so. I mean, you know. But that was a plot point that I, I honestly, like I said, seen this movie twenty times. I didn't remember that it was because he drops the buckle, the belt buckle thing. That that's why he wants to go track her down. It wasn't wasn't because he like fell in love with her. He just needed his what he thought was his like master's symbol thing back. He, he, master tells him it's Bruce Lee's. Uh, something does he say about Med- medallion he calls it a medallion i think or something like that yeah yeah so so like the shogun thing like d- did he know him it, it, what's like is he literally just trying to be the toughest guy in harlem that's that's really it yeah i got it i thought it was like the evil woman in snow white like who's the fairest of them all who's the baddest of them all who's the that version yeah. of that i just wanted to know well, i was the baddest and there's somebody who might possibly threaten me and i can't tolerate there's somebody who might be badder than me around but Even though I, I'm still pretty amazing, you can do awesome I, stuff. I can't overstate how much I love Shogun. I mean, that guy, <laughs> it, he's my absolute hero. Shogun is the best. Well, and and Ben, there is a line in that theater where I think it's Beats that says uh, that that guy is the only one that stands between show and total supremacy. Total supremacy. Yeah, I love that part. Yep, exactly. Uh-huh. Well, a little bit of exposition gives you a... Yeah. Tell- everything i mean well the other thing like not we're jumping ahead here but like eddie arcadian who who like i hate it i hate him in this movie i always hated him he's the part of the movie i wish just didn't exist but like he's gonna pay shogun a a, a suitcase full of money which is like there's all stacks of 20s maybe a hundred thousand dollars and shogun doesn't take the money he doesn't does not want the money he wants to just fight leroy and I'm just like, so was, was this guy just exist in some universe where he doesn't need money? So he's not a criminal? He's, well, just... he's got this cult of people running around doing stuff for him. And I guess he can just 
break but, in anywhere and eat pizza and steal stuff if he wants And this it. is the I, thing I told I told people before we jumped on. That reminded me of the Joker in the Dark Knight. He just burned the money. He didn't want the money. Right? He wanted to kill the Batman. And like, man, that just really hit me with Shogun. It's like he's kind of the Joker of this movie. He just appears out of nowhere. Doesn't make any sense why he's doing what he's doing. There's no rational to it. He's just crazy. And he just wants to get Leroy like the Joker just wanted to kill Batman. I don't know. I, I, I've made those connections. Eddie Arcadian's basically the Penguin. And and uh, Vanity is, you know, basically Vicky Vale. So it's a Batman movie. It's a Batman I, movie before Batman. I would agree we needed way more show enough uh, and way less Eddie Arcadian, which could be, you know, not at all. But, you know his role in the movie was just, it was this weird dramatic arc that didn't make sense. He's this crummy producer. And I don't know if Barry Gordy wanted to slam lame white producers. I don't know if there was that there, which is fine, but his plot didn't, didn't make sense. It was too serious and it wasn't connected with enough other stuff. It just, it was really goofy. He has all these cartoonish villains. I thought it was just like a scene out of mystery men where he's having like henchmen <laughs> show up to like possibly work for him. And so they have weird dudes show up. And then they don't even really utilize the goofiness enough. Like if you're gonna have a bunch of crazy, weird, like pro wrestling characters, they should get a little bit more standout. Uh, and you should just roll with the silliness of that a little bit more. So I'm with you. I mean, Shonoff was way more fun. He was the real villain. Although I was confused. Uh, one of the many things confused by was Bruce Lee right afraid to fight Shonoff? I just yeah. thought he didn't want to because. He thought it was beneath him. He shouldn't fight. That's not, uh, you don't seek to fight for pride. It's not about pride. So like he leaves I, the theater and he's just kind of bored. He's not scared. He's like, oh, I don't care about this stuff. And then when he's I, at his dojo, you know, like, I, I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to fight because this is, I'll, I'll look stupid and pathetic and weak. I've got to just not care about fighting because Bruce Lee wouldn't. But that was what I took watching it. But I think you're, you got a different angle on that, Peter. No, no, no. I, I, I think you're, I think it's both of those things. I think part of it is yes, that, you know, he's this calms and martial artist guy who doesn't believe in, you know, violence and fighting or whatever. But I think also the other part of it too, is that he is afraid of Shogun. And like, that's kind of what happens in the end when he shows up and he's like, Leroy, you warmed up yet? You get, I mean, like Bruce Leroy is, you can see he's afraid. He's, he's nervous to fight Shogun because he's never faced that level of a threat before. And uh, yeah, okay. But that's another thing too about so watching this movie, and we can I don't we don't have to segue in this yet, but like but the fight scenes, right? So as a kid, I always remember the fight scenes being like awesome, and in fact, I remember specifically waiting between the nonsense just for the fight scenes. Sure. But gotten older, I've kind of realized that the fight scenes maybe like aren't the best, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, but really, that, that timeout guy, he's he's good. Like well, yeah, he's a black belt. He can fight, sure. He's really good. But like but like Shogun, some of the stuff that he does is a little wishy washy. Well they it, like Ju- Julius Carey, right? That's the guy he, they taught yeah. him how to do he wasn't like a marsh, he's like a TV actor, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And he maybe was like a dancer or something, or or who knows what, you know. Probably athletic when he was younger. But he isn't um, supposed to be a martial artist in the movie, right? He he doesn't care about kung fu. He calls it like I don't know. He makes a lizard guy, or like he makes fun of it. Like he doesn't care yeah. about kung fu. He's just like the toughest guy in the neighborhood. Yeah, 
Yeah, I never really thought of it that way, but you're right. I mean, they don't really make a point to show that he's like this great martial artist like they do with Bruce Leroy. You know, they go way out of their way to show. I mean, obviously, like, Timok is super talented. Um, but, yeah, that's a good point. So what? So we talked about Eddie Arcadian. What the hell is that thing in the tank? That was all I remember oh, we as never a kid. see it. You're right. We never get it. Well, when I was a kid, I always thought it was supposed to be like piranhas. Sure. You know, but but they, they specifically say it's one thing. It's not like a whole, you know, school of piranhas. Oh, my God. It's that's one animal. Point. And it has like scales. There's you see or like hair almost. You see it like the top of it. It's like I, as a kid, I always assumed it was piranhas. But you know, seeing this now, it's like it's just supposed to be some monster. Like, yeah, it's some aquatic monster. You're right. We don't ever get a payoff. I had totally yeah. forgotten. You never set it up. And I wonder if that's a production thing. Like, hey, we just don't have money to create a fake monster thing or use it, or we just don't know what to do with it. So they just cut it <laughs> but out. But then I thought of Big Trouble in Little China, which came out around the same time. And that has like weird monster stuff to it that's just not explained. Like, there's just like but no reason. But you only reason. see the monster. You don't say, hey, there are these weird things, and then you don't ever see them. Yeah, true. I, I, I don't need to know what it is. I'm, I'm fine with us not knowing that it's some creature. I don't need a story about it being from the Amazon and it's some horrible mom. I don't, I don't need that. But like, hey, you're talking about whether or not they need it and whether it's useful. We get this whole sequence. I thought I told you to get rid of that thing. You also told me to keep it too. Huh? Like, <laughs> and we get that whole little like exchange and then we, yeah, we don't get a payoff. What's the, uh, what What does uh, Leroy say to him? Cool, cool. Huh? Ed needs cool water. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's as yeah. much of a payoff as you get. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He gets his head in there, but doesn't. Yeah, okay. Or maybe, maybe it was like one giant mutated piranha. That's sure. that's what my imagination told me. Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought. I mean, the one time I watched this movie, I thought it was just some big thing. Yeah. But I, either way, I mean, yeah, you talk about the fight sequences, and I was geared up for a lot of fun at the end of the movie because I loved, as silly as Seventh Heaven is. And the idea that this music venue is super important and it decides the fate of uh, huge chunks of, of, I don't care. And then we have those big video monitors. We had all these bad guys showing up. And I really thought, oh, this will be a great spot to do a big set piece at the end. And we started to get it. We got a little bit of that. And then we have to go to a different location to like generic abandoned factory. Well, the, the main set piece fight in the in Seventh Heaven is that little kid, correct? Yeah. Ernie Reyes Jr. Yeah, yeah. Who he wasn't he like one of the Ninja Turtles too? I, I remember that as like a fabled thing when we were kids, right? Yeah, he's so the little he, pizza delivery guy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Reyes Jr. So if you watch the credits, his dad, Ernie Reyes Sr. He did. He was one of three that did the fight, um, the fight coordination stuff. But yeah, so Ernie Rice Jr. is, he's Raphael in the first Ninja Turtle movie. Well, he's the guy in the costume. And then he's Kino in, in the second one. So. Yeah, but he's a little kid in this movie, just like beating the crap out of all these adults. But it's, it's clearly like a showcase for him. Like, yeah. you know, knowing that his dad helped do the fight scenes, I mean, you know, kind of through. And like the little kid is charming as can be, too. I mean, so. Oh, he's clearly having fun. You look, there's moments where you look at him on the camera, you're like, that's just like a kid who's like excited to be there and it's just having yeah. fun. I'm that, that, that definitely came across the screen. <laughs> so Pete, you mentioned Vanity, right? She's the main female lead. She's the one that Leroy kind of falls in love with. Like you, you told me that she had like a Prince connection. I didn't know that. So like, what, what's her, what is her connection to Prince? 
Yeah. So, so vanity. So I don't know a ton of it, but so she apparently was a like Prince's first protege. So Prince had like, you know, he had his purple rain crew or his band or whatever. And I think they were all women. Like Morris Day and all those guys, right? Like, Yep. But he had the women in his band that would play, like the the woman that wrote the Purple Rain lick, like this, it wasn't Prince, it was some one of the women in his band, yeah. right? Yep. And so Vanity, I think, was I think Prince's whole concept was she Lee. Sorry, yeah, sorry, keep it yeah. around. She Lee was in. But I think he was his whole concept was he going to create like an all female kind of um, like a Backstreet Boys or or whatever, like an all female band, and it was going to be headed by Vanity or Laurel Charles. Um, but I don't know what, I think it just kind of fell apart or something, or, or maybe they released an album and it didn't do well, or I don't, I don't remember specifically what it was, but she was also in, um, Action Jackson as well. So I, yeah, I did a minimum of research after, cause I was fascinated by this and Vanity apparently was going to be the co-lead in Purple Rain and then left for whatever reason um, and then did this movie. I think she's really good in this movie. She's I mean, that's fine. That's my like eight year old voice talking, I think. But uh, you're in a Bruce Lee, right? Yeah, sure. I, th- I think she's great. I I do. The the song she sings is so weird. She gets like it's, these weird mannerisms. It's like it's like turning into Thriller for a little bit. It, it was bad. I, I, that was the worst song in the movie. Was hers? I uh, thought. I was like, oh, uh, the audio's off. Oh. And you know, the little brother too. Like, again, how old is he? Like, he falls in love with her. That's weird. Get your hands off my woman! Like, who is this little kid? He could be even 25, for all we know. I don't know. Uh, It feels like he should be the older brother. Like, the way... I don't know. Yeah, it was just very, very weird that your brother was lecturing the older brother on, like, his sexual prowess and and lack thereof. Like, this is... I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, is he 10? Is he teaching his older brother about (laughs) sex when he's 10 years old? Like, how much sex does this little kid have? Like... He just smashed an ass all over the place. Like, what's going on? Well, I, so I was going to say, so this movie, they're supposed to have a sequel. And I was telling Peter, I just watched this video with Tymac. Tymac? How are we saying his name? Tymac? Tymac uh, is how I said it, but Ty-Mock. I'm not confident okay. that's So, correct. yeah, there was that's... supposed to be a sequel, and you, uh, I'll, I'll post the YouTube video. But, he, you know, he, he explains, like, flew into Barry Gordy's office, and Barry Gordy wasn't there, and he had some other producer there that wanted to sign him to, like, a three-movie deal. And his lawyer didn't think it was great because he wasn't going to get any money on the back end. And so he didn't sign it. And then Barry Gordy just like never spoke to him again. And just uh, he was never in anything else, really. Like the, this, he had a chance to be because I mean, this movie is a pretty big hit. It cost like 10 million and made like 40 or 50. And oh, wow. it's become kind of a cultural icon. I remember, you remember the Buster Rhymes video where he dressed up like Shonuff? Maybe you don't. It was in the late 90s. But like. Yeah, I mean, this movie is like a culturally significant, you know, we talk about, um, you know, movies that weren't big hits, but become cult classics, kind of like Toxic Avenger. You know, this is kind of in that wheelhouse. Um, I mean, more important, I guess, to our household than others, but uh, that he turned it down and they didn't make it just like this guy had no career after that. Like and nothing. This, this is just from Wikipedia, but I think. I, it says Wikipedia says Gordy sold Motown Records to MCA in in 1986. So I wonder oh, wow. to do with it. Like he maybe wasn't that he didn't want to make it, but just was party planning him to sell his share. Okay, so I just want so Pete, like this movie means a lot to you, right? Yeah, I mean, kind of like what I was saying earlier. I mean, 
so so you know it's not this isn't a movie like i watch every year or something like that but i mean but when i watched it just recently like i mean it, it's a, it's a silly movie i mean it really is and it is kind of all over the place but it's just one of those you know it's i mean sure everyone kind of has that to some extent and like there's this kind of pop culture or or media or whatever it may be that you know like you experience and it just kind of hits you in the right spot and that's this movie is that to me like it, i mean more so than a lot of other movies and maybe any movie i can think of i mean it's it's clearly flawed i mean quite a bit <laughs> flawed movie but it's just i mean it's like even the music and the actors and everything i mean it's just i don't know it just kind of it's kind of a, it's like a, it's like a warm blanket, I guess. There, there <laughs> is kind of I get that. Uh, earnestness I mean, to I, it. Not, not about this movie for me, but I understand that. But yeah, I mean, it's well, not yeah, trying to be. incredibly it's, earnest. And he's earnest. It, and it, it, he would, cries in one scene. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, he, uh, when the, the pizza shop gets all busted up, right? right? Yeah. Like he, you know what I mean? He's at it at him and he's he's a coward and all that stuff yeah and it's not trying no, to be funny i, I mean the, the, i like the idea of him being earnest i guess i think it, would, it it is though that's the part where it gets weird parts of it are but like the, like the yeah. is that the if he the, were just straight up earnest in a really cynical dark world that would work better i think but that's me sorry Eric. no i was just gonna say that the guys at the uh, fortune cookie place like they're that's like comp, like when they're lip syncing like i i find that so charming and funny and and show enough like ju- I just he, I just enjoy every every scene he's in, but yeah I think the the parts with Leroy and his family like he's really trying to find love and fit like, like he's awkward obviously with with girls and like um th- there's kind of a sweetness to that that I this watching this time I found like really charming in a way that like it's a stupid sort of like faux kung fu movie um, with these like weird. I mean, he does literally catch a bullet with his teeth. Like, that actually happens in the movie. And he has this glow where he's, he turns into, like, the Street Fighter. And, I mean, it's it, there's some weird shit yeah, he in goes it. Super Saiyan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he like, yeah, it's Dragon Ball Z. But, like, then there is this kind of sweetness to it um, that I, I I was kind of touched by a little bit watching it this time. Yeah, I mean, like, it has, it has kind of those themes, like believe in yourself and, you know, don't have doubt in in your you know believe in yourself don't have don't doubt yourself and there's the community aspect of the movie too like the whole thing with his dad's trying to you know have a pizzeria you know uh what does he say he's like you know they gave him a crap a black man opened up a pizzeria in harlem like you know so i don't know it's just there's there's that kind the of pizza, 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 daddy greens pizza yeah <laughs> All right, yeah. so I guess we'll shift gears over uh, to the the letterbox Roger Ebert ratings. Pete, since you're the guest, you want to jump in and give us what your rating is out oh, of okay. five stars. Well, so obviously I'm going to say five stars because I mean I I do I do love this movie very much, and like I said, it's it's one of those movies that I could probably watch. I can watch over and over and over and over again. You own it, right? You own the Blu-ray, enjoy, right? You know what I mean. They're, no, I actually own the DVD. I don't. It's not on Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, they don't so, have 4K Last Dragon um, yet. <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's no, no, no 4K. I, I need. A, I'm gonna email Barry Gordy and see if he can get on that. Get the the remaster, the Criterion Collection. That's what we should do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's movies that are just excellent. Like, you know, I mean, Seven Samurai, 
uh, you guys did Raging Bull. I mean, these movies are just, I mean, flawless almost, you know? And, but, but like the last dragon to me is just this, it, there is this kind of perfection to it. Well, it's not perfect at all. Um, anyways, that's a long drawn out explanation for five stars, <laughs> I guess, or 10. I don't know. Give it no, we'll, we'll give you, you 10. Want, we'll give you 10 as the guest. <laughs> Would you have it, Ben? As the younger lane, you want to go next? Oh, you want me to go next? Oh, right. yeah. Um, I, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you go. I, I realize this is one of your, this is one of your guys' childhood babies. I, under, I understand. And I, I get the, like, there's all sorts of actual research on how music can hit you and, and what old, you know, how old you are. And music hits you different when you're younger and movies and all that stuff can, can resonate on a deep level with, and we could do this with a bunch of movies where you, you know, it's, Ninja Turtles 2. That's a movie I could watch and I would be really nostalgic and, and probably happy to watch, even though it's almost certainly objectively terrible. But yeah, I we... think I missed the boat on The Last Dragon is the problem here. <laughs> I didn't see it when I was a kid. It didn't nestle into my subconscious. And I was at an, an age for it to really land at me. So I'm coming at this with adult eyes and there's just no way no way to have that Peter and Eric Lane experience of, of being like, oh man, watching this over and over again. This is the coolest it's it's my brain's seen too many John Wicks. It's seen too many other kung fu movies. It's seen too many other serious movies. It's seen Enter the Dragon, and it's just tough to compare that to all those. Um, so for me, it just I I couldn't get oriented. We I, we weren't in satire. We weren't making fun of kung fu movies. I think we wanted to make an earnest kung fu movie, but there's too much other gunk grafted on, including like three music videos in, in the middle of the movie, uh, you know, weird racial stuff. I couldn't tell is this racist is this deconstructing race. I couldn't really tell. I was kind of all over the place. I appreciated the weird choices it make. I really did. But for me, it was two and a half. I wasn't bored, but it never ever hooked me. And again, I, that's with the caveat that, you know, I would have loved this in 1990 or 91. That's funny. So well, you, then I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to unsubscribe from this podcast. Then I think that's fair enough. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I don't wanna. I you know can't pander too hard. But it, you know you mentioned the racial stuff. It's kind of funny. So I was just, just googling through um, on Wikipedia. There's a note here. It's a paper from the Journal of Asian American Studies that applauds the strong character development of a black hero reverses the stereotype of a typical Asian in an action film. And like, so they're like this, there's like a sure. paper that uh, really gives this movie a lot of credit. So I don't know. I, I I'm kind of with you. Like I felt like there were some racial stereotypes in this movie that made me feel really uncomfortable. Um, but well, you could convince me either way is the thing I could listen to one of those and be convinced. And you could also say, this is horribly racist. Either way, you could probably convince me by the one of those positions. Cause it was really, well, I was really confused. So can I go on a big segue real quick about sure. that, about the racial stuff? Sure. So are you going to so reference a little Joe bit ago, Rogan? I had, um, no, not Joe Rogan, but <laughs> um, I wish I had a joke about Joe Rogan. I don't have one. I did like, I don't know. Joe Rogan was on news radio and he sucks. I don't know. Um, oh, wow. So uh, just a little bit ago, I rewatched um, Big Trouble Little China, which you brought up, I think, Eric. So, but we watched it with some friends who had never seen it. And his reaction after the movie was that, oh, that's like terribly racist and all these racial, you know, Asian stereotypes and blah, 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 blah. Right. And my argument against that was like, well, no, that it's the movie, the movie is not, it doesn't, it's not showing stereotypes. Like the, the heroes of that movie are the Asian characters. Like I know the movie kind of follows, um, what's his name? Jack uh, Burton. You know, uh, uh, 
Kurt Russell. Jack Burton, old Jack Burton, yeah. That's Kurt Russell's character? Yeah, he's a bumbling <laughs> idiot. Yeah, he's a dope. Exactly. He's an idiot throughout the whole movie. Like, yeah. he's he's you, he's me, he, you know, he's the audience. And, like, the heroes of that movie are all the Asian characters. And I mean, I don't know, I mean, that's kind of how, a little bit like how The Last Dragon is. You know, it has kind of these little, you know, kind of stereotypes sprinkled throughout. But if it really, like, what the movie is about is, like, a strong black, you know, hero character, which really didn't exist very much, if well, really at all. And that's in the, that's in interesting. So, so it's it's directed by a black man, and it you know and and Tymok, I know I'm just murdering his name, but like he, he when he wasn't in the Last Dragon sequels, there was like nothing else for this guy to do because there weren't like black lead action stars. Yeah. I mean, there's like what's you could name like three of them through the 80s and 90s. There's not a lot. There was so it, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Well, to kind of go back to some is like it wasn't until Will Smith really where that where like strong male black actors could kind of become or have these roles where they, you know, have these big, big roles where they play the hero. So well, yeah, I mean, we started, we, yeah, we started, it, it's way too few, but I mean, we had Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hills cop oh, around yeah. this time coming out and Wesley Snipes was coming on, but yeah, there weren't a ton. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There still aren't a ton, but, but like, so, yeah, I, I mean, think he's that, that great. door was barely I, open to anybody. I think he's great in this movie and, it's shocking that he had no other like really movie star roles. I mean, it's crazy. It's like, it's like, you know, he reminds yeah. me a lot of Brandon Lee actually, well, like Brandon Lee came up, you know, kind of, he has kind of, Brandon Lee had a little, there was something funny about him charming and, you know, Brandon Lee was going to be the biggest star in the world until he died, but this guy well, didn't have those opportunities. And it's funny that you bring that up, Eric. Yeah. So like that time up guy, I, that's, I, I did the same thing, but I mean, this might, you may not remember this, but the only other thing I remember him being in, after, you know, being a fan of The Last Dragon was it, it I think it was in the late 90s, but it was a TV show called WMAC Masters. Do you remember that at all? Was it was like it an was American like Gladiators show? It was like American Gladiators, right, wasn't it? But yeah, it was like American Gladiators and like pro wrestling, but all just martial arts. It was like a live action Mortal Kombat without the fatalities. But he, he was on that show for like one episode. Interesting. That's all I got. But, so, well, yeah, was, so, so yeah. I guess it was on me. So and I gave... Fun. I gave it four stars, um, and like you said, Ben, it's it's hard for me to separate this from like my eight year old self and my adult self. Like, I I just and that's fine. I'm, I'm finishing what you enjoy. finishing lines in the my movie. Opinion. I can't I can't like I can't separate those things. And just like I said, watching this movie as a kid, it was just. But watching this time now, I was like, I watched it on Tubi, the streaming service, so I didn't have to pay for the movie. If anybody out there wants to watch it on Tubi. Um, but I think it's going I, away at the end of March. So oh, have, is it really? Oh, wow. We so really uh, they're gonna not, by the time they hear this, they're not going to be able to watch it on Doobie. But. Do, does Doobie have commercials? Did they, were there commercials? Yeah. Yes. Not a lot, uh, though. They, there were does this many. a lot. It wasn't as bad because I don't think the movie's that popular. Sure. Uh, relative <laughs> to some other ones. I, but yeah, I, I noticed that too. It was yeah, it was not as bad as but other we ones. we got to get it trending so I've the Criterion picks it up. There you go, yeah. But I've, I've watched the movie on Tubi or something before and it was like super jarring because the commercial would like cut like it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like back in the day when you watched movies on TV, they would really make a point to like, all right, here's where we're going to go to the commercial. So it didn't, but it, it, long story short, it was super jarring when they would. Yeah, it's like mid like scene. Act, mid like scene, they'll commercial. pop a commercial. You're right. Yeah. All right, so we'll shift over to the uh, Five Degrees Field Dreams. Our, our trademark here on the pot of dreams. 
Um, so this is if you're first time listening to it, Pete, I'm sure you listen to all of our episodes. So, so you know how this works to connect this movie do, yeah. over to uh, the field dreams. Again, as the guest, do you want to go first? Sure, yeah. So so how do, do I do Field the Dreams first or, or last? Start with The Last no, Dragon. Last. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, Last Dragon, which stars Ernie Rise Jr. And Ernie Rise Jr. is in Red Sonia, which stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is in The Terminator, who also is uh, uh, Lance Harkison, is also in The Terminator, who's in No Escape. With Ray Liotta, who is in Field of Dreams. There it is. Nice. I can tell by your, your speechlessness that you were completely amazed how I made the Ernie Rise Jr. Connection. Well, I, I don't think we've talked about any of those movies before. Um, so nice work. Yeah, no, I was excited when you. Well, so I'll just hop into mine. So I also did Ernie Rise Jr. was was also my out. I didn't do Red Sonia though. I did. Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Use, because that was a movie I unironically liked, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Uh, with That's the Vanilla Ice. Ice one, right? Yeah, yes. I, I genuinely liked it. I wasn't being ironic. I oh, just dude. Thought, I, I, I thought bet that we saw that movie kicked. in the theater like five times. I did. I loved the uh, yeah. Pizza Hut promotion. I thought that I, did, I didn't care about the shameless capital. I was just like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. I loved it. Ninja That's Turtles one. weapons at all in the whole movie. Not once. Remember that? Michelangelo never I'm just anyway, sorry. That's and the second one, I don't remember that. I I, I just remember all Is the corner right? lines. Yeah, man. He never uses Michelangelo never takes uses a pair of sausages in the very beginning of the movie to make some comedic blah blah blah. But yeah, that's some uh, that's some bullshit. It is some bullshit. Don't watch uh, the movie as well. It ruins your childhood, I'm telling you. Anyway, sorry. That's, no, it's all good. I, I I'm I'm okay with ruining my childhood. If it, next you know, week <laughs> Teenage Mutant we'll Ninja Turtles 2. <laughs> But also in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, is David Warner. He's the scientist that makes the ooze or runs oh, yeah. the ooze factory. Uh, he's in my all-time favorite Star Trek movie, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. He plays a Klingon in there. I was desperately trying to figure out a way to work Crispin, uh, Crispin, uh, Christopher Plummer um, from there, but I couldn't. So I ended up going with Christian Slater who's in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner, who's there you the go. star of Field of Dreams. Is, is that Star Trek? Is that the one with the whales? I don't remember. No, that's four. That's the Voyage Home, which is not my favorite. Star Trek Six is, uh, it's 91. It's the, you know, the Cold War has ended. And uh, I don't know, it's got Kim Cattrall in it. It's got a whole bunch of, of stars relative to Star Trek is, in it. Is, is that the one where it opens where Kirk is climbing mountain and he falls? Yep, and Spock's like, why are you climbing a mountain? You have these boots that'll get you to the top. What are you doing? This is pointless. Yep, that's the very one. It's, yep. I, I saw that in the theater. Well, I'm jealous. I never saw it in the theater. It's too young, but uh, it's my favorite one. It works on about 8,000 different levels, but this isn't the Star Trek 6 podcast. Yeah, because anyway. Star Trek sucks, and you guys should stop talking about it. That's my take. Uh, you're well, wrong. I, well, oh. <laughs> oh, man, that's personal. Um. I was going to say, sorry, this is totally unrelated, so now I'm going to do a little sidebar. The Last Dragon um, helped me solve a lyrics riddle that has puzzled me for a long time. Like, not overtly. You know, you hear a line in a song, you, it doesn't quite make sense, and you just try to make it work, but you, you don't get it. So in LMFAO's song, Sexy, and I know it, one of the lyrics is, like Bruce Leroy, I got the glow. I didn't know that before I watched The Last Dragon and then read the Wikipedia. I was like, oh, 
So I thought it was Bruce Lee, and he was saying Bruce Lee weirdly. Because I'm Bruce Leroy, I got the glow. So anyway, that mystery solved. Eric, excellent. So dreams. you guys failed to use two fairly big stars or celebrity act- actors in this movie in your uh, pot of dreams, field of dreams. I didn't want to use William H Macy. That so was yeah, William choice. H Macy. He's got he's got a couple lines in the movie. Uh, he's the, like, he's, is he the producer or the hairdresser? I can't, can't remember. He's the producer. The hairdresser okay. is the guy who's annoyed yeah. that he, he can't fix her hair all the he's, time. He's, he's trying to get her to, to agree to Eddie Arcadia, right? Just he's to trying, have lunch with him. Yeah. 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 And she's like, no, I'm not doing it. And he's like, come on, this guy's a real heavy, you know, this video game player. magnet. He's a big heavy. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you could, so you could use William H. Macy and he's obviously been in a ton of movies It won an Oscar, didn't he? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, I chose another great actor, longtime big name actor. Chaz Palminteri is in this movie. Um, he plays the limo driver that when they sort of kidnap Laura Charles, he's the guy that's like, oh, the, the other guy's sick. And then, Sorry. Yeah, you brought up th- that scene annoyed me because they got her in the limo and they pull her out just so that they can have a fight. Yeah, why they did they pull take her, her out of the limo? There's I no did. reason that they, they just didn't choreograph that well. They, they should have driven out. her to where they were going. Yeah. Correct. Yes. But we needed Bruce Lee Ray. Sorry. Yes. That was it's like, wait, you had her in the limo. Just drive. Just lock it and drive. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So uh, so he's in this movie. Uh, I, I was, we were talking earlier. I think it's his first, maybe his first or second movie he was ever in. But um, yeah, just kind of that bit cameo. He's also in a movie called Pool Hall Junkies. Ben, do you know this movie, Pool Hall no, Junkies? No. This is a was like a early two thousands, um, big movie for people my age or people I was hanging around with. It's like a pool movie. It's got a like fake Ben Affleck guy in it, um, where they game. It's like round. It's basically rounders but with pool. It's literally like the same movie, um, but uh, and and guys we hung out with oh, seemed to always watch that that and boondock saints were two of those movies like our generation they love that it. makes a lot of sense yep. eric holy cow i know uh, you just that much better now i didn't like these movies these are not movies i chose to watch just people we hung out with seemed to always and have both, one listen to him he loved he loved both those movies so much so much not sure but <laughs> <He> uh, also, <laughs> i'm kidding so Chaz palmentary's in that so is christopher walken Ben, you got a good Christopher Walken impression. I, I think you got a good one, right? Don't you? I, I don't. I, I'll, I'll try, uh, but it's not good. You got to do just weird pauses that are very hard to do. Eric, how are you doing? So you, you, how you, you got to do weird pauses? He, he held. He added up his ass. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty bad. Uh, that's a famous line, but yeah. yeah, the cadence was off. Mine was terrible too. I mean, I'm not really judging harshly. It's it's just a weird cadence to do. I, anyway, but okay, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Um, he's also in a movie called Catch Me If You Can, a uh, pretty great Spielberg movie. Uh, also starring in that movie is Amy Adams, big fan of Amy Adams. She's in uh, Man of Steel, which is a Superman movie, Zack Snyder's super, Superman movie. And Kevin Costner's in that as well. He plays uh, Superman's dad, uh, Kent, and Jonathan Kent, and he's in Field Dreams. So that's how I did it. Okay. Uh, any closing words on the last dragon, Pete? We'll let, let you um, filibuster here if you want. Um, well, I think this is a movie everyone should watch. Um, it is far from perfect, but I think it definitely has a very special place in the pop culture nebula 
that is that exists um and yeah i mean i just i just really enjoy this movie a lot and um and yeah i don't know it's it's good stuff man all right kiss my converse ben <laughs> what uh what movie are we watching next eric in my dark vile heart i, I have this desire someday to force you to watch a musical oh god um, but oh. today today is not that day what, today is what not we, that day. i gotta i gotta know what, I've, what got, you... I've got lots of choices. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal. I, I don't. I, I don't watched want Eric a lot of West Side Story, by the way. Uh, the Oscar it's, nominee. I watched. It's a, not well, gonna be I, West Side Story. I promise you. Uh, but anyway, today is not that day. I, I don't want Eric to have any warning time. I just. He's gonna be blindsided someday. He's just gonna not check both ways before he goes through a four-way stop, and he's just gonna get pummeled. T-bone. I'm gonna hit T-bone by freaking <laughs> cabaret or some shit. Eric's gonna be stuck be. watching the music. What's happening? <laughs> oh my gosh that yeah there there are so many great choices but today I, we haven't done any documentaries left and i want to do a movie by my favorite documentarian of all time errol morris and no we're not doing that one eric and, and i know there's a, a movie you know i love my favorite movie of all time we're not doing that one we're going to do a movie from 2012 called tabloid okay i have never seen it uh we'll, we'll do a documentary on the pot of dreams ben what's the what's the one that you said you said you have a favorite of his which is that one Gates of Heaven. Early on, when I met your brother, uh, it's this documentary about pet cemeteries from 1978, which yeah. me perfectly describes the human condition. You watch it. If an alien asked me what what are humans all about, I'd show them this, and it wouldn't help. But I'd be like, that's it. That's I couldn't put this is humanity in an hour and a half. I think you said that's your favorite film of all it time, is. right? Yeah. That's a movie I've seen four times, and it's a movie I think about and. It makes me sad, happy, depressed, angry, joyful, all at once. Humans are stupid, wonderful, amazing, awful. It's everything. It's great. Yeah, isn't it like, uh, didn't Ebert just like beam about this movie? I That's how it. I watched it. I went through and watched all of Ebert's great movies, and that was on the list. Yeah. yeah. That was exactly how I came to it. It's like, oh, man, this is the, I get it. Yeah, I've cool. never seen that. Cool. Well, Pete, thanks for being our first guest on the Pod Dreams. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening, and uh, go see go see the last dragon if you haven't yet. Showed up. Showed up. Showed up. All right, stay frosty, everybody. All right, thanks guys. Thanks for having me.